0: Luke chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them. And were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. We'll end our reading there. We trust the Lord will bless his word to our hearts for Jesus' sake. This morning I'm going to speak on what I am calling a disappointing night and a hopeful morning. May the Lord be pleased to meet with us as we look into his word. Before we go further, let's just ask the Lord to bless the word to our hearts. Father in heaven, now we would pray that you will bless your word to us. We pray that you will take it up yourself and allow it to be used by the Spirit of God in our hearts to draw us away from all the things that so easily distract the things that so easily beset. And Lord, bring us to Jesus' feet. We pray that you will help us to see ourselves in this of which we read. We would pray that you will allow us to know a time in which you are addressing us as you even did so with those men who were your servants. Lord, bless us and help us. Meet with us, we pray. Give us the help of the Holy Ghost as we think and as we listen and as I speak. We pray that you will help us for Jesus' sake. For we ask it all in his name and for his sake. Amen. before i launch out into the this message we need to establish one very important point the moment of which we read today must not be confused with the call of the disciples in matthew chapter 4 and mark chapter 1 that would be for us to lose the full weight of what we're reading here this morning. Let me note with you some very key differences between those two times, or these two times. First, the four men suggested in Luke were previously called while they were in their boats on the water. came to them the first time, Mark chapter 1, Matthew chapter 4. They were in their boats. They were on the water fishing. In Luke chapter 5, the boats are empty. That is a very telling metaphoric truth. The boats in Luke 5 were not manned. The work had been put aside. The going forth had become a looking back. Second, at the other time, the disciples were casting their nets. Here, in Luke 5, they are washing their nets. Again, a picture is worth a thousand words. There was nothing wrong with washing their nets. Unwashed nets gather mud and trash from the water. Dirty nets are harder to draw through the water. And dirty nets wear out faster. Perhaps this is a truth that speaks of men who say they serve. But are guilty of dirty lives. Thirdly. The boats in Luke 5 were standing by the lake. They were not in the lake. As in Matthew and Mark. Again, sideline vessels are quite a picture of those who would stand on the sideline while there is work to do. The whole picture speaks much to us of what the state of the hearts of the disciples were at the time the Lord Jesus approaches them on the seashore. We should further acknowledge that there was and is nothing wrong with fishing or working to support life and limb. But often men will use that mindset to excuse their empty boats. These disciples saw the sun rise on a night that speaks much of the state of their own hearts. They came back with their hands empty. But then the Lord Jesus comes. And I say this is the greatest point that can be noted today. The Lord Jesus comes. All things change when the Lord Jesus comes. All is different when Jesus arrives and takes the day in his hand. What a wonderful lesson there is to be had here. What a wonderful hope is to be gleaned from noticing the ministry of the Lord. As he deals with disappointed and disappointing servants. My message will be very simple. I've got two things I want you to point uh, point to to relate to you. And it was suggested in my title. I want to think of first the disappointing night and then the hopeful morning. But I want us to think on this as we're going through. Our sinful failures become success when Jesus comes to help. I think there's an important point that we will take as our theme. So let's take a look first at the disappointing night. Now the obvious truth is that the disciples had gone out in their boats expecting that they would have some success. If they succeeded, if they were able to go out in their boats and catch a lot of fish and do just as they had thought they would do Uh, they might well be able to justify in their minds the course of action that they had taken. You see, this is a very common assumption. If If you have apparent success, you are in certain blessing. That's the assumption. That's the thinking of many. If you can say, look, what we have been able to do, look at what we've been able to catch, must be then we are in blessing. They could have used that had they caught fish that night as the argument for their actions. That argument, that thought, that justification was put to rest here. You see that there are three things that the Lord lets these men go through and realize before he comes and ministers directly to them. First, I want us to think about the disciples and their state of heart. I want you to see... That there was first regression. There was regression. It is quite apparent that the disciples. Had returned from that first calling of the Lord. Where they had forsaken all. They forsook their father. And the and the boats. And the nets. And they had followed Christ. But now they had returned. To their trade. After having. Followed the Lord for some time. Well what was the reason for the return would be speculation at best. We don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us why they returned to their boats. It is silent and perhaps for a very good reason. But really, quite frankly, the reason doesn't matter and does not impact what we will learn of the day that had come. What the Lord Jesus was going to do with these men in the state of their hearts and where they had, why they were where they were, it really doesn't matter. But that's where they were. They were in a place where they had returned. We might just stop here for a moment and we might even ask ourselves how many times have we been down this same road? That we say we are going to follow the Lord, we say that we're going to give up for the Lord, we say that we will stand for the Lord. We say that we will count the cost. And yet we find we return to the same old place that we were when we were told of the Lord to arise from there. These men are just the same as we are and we are just the same as they are. This is not something uncommon. This is not something where you and I can look at these men and say... From a lofty position. Oh isn't that bad that they went back to their trade. And left the Lord. We do this all the time. Falling back. Sliding back. Purposefully returning back. It is all the same. We are prone to want to give up labor. And go to the old ways. That is the first thing I want you to see. There was regression. In the hearts of these men. The second thing I want you to see. Is that there is also regret. That comes to the surface. That comes to the point. Of being a very very key. Element. In their reaction to the Lord. It was a night of regret. Now, there is is a very real sense in which we might imagine the disciples suffering from a real frustration and fruitlessness over the the night that they just had. You know, when men go out there, I don't know how it is with some men, but if I go fishing, I want to catch fish. If I don't catch fish, it's like this is a wasted time. But it's like that in every area of your life. You want to have success. If you don't have it, then you become frustrated. You can become exasperated. And it would be common to become exasperated at the incredible failure to do what was so easy before and had been so successful before. Here they were. They were out there. And this is no small thing for these men to admit. They went out and labored all night long and caught nothing. This was an embarrassment. This was, in some ways, a humiliation this was an exasperation. It was a great frustration. If you just leave it set by itself. But here's what I want us to think on this morning. When the sight of the Lord on the shore. Was. Perceived by these men. When they. Saw the Lord Jesus. Those. Those emotions, those conclusions, those reactions were quickly brought to an end. The sight of the Lord looking at them as they were washing their nets more likely generated a sense of deep regret and sorrow. Oh, what are you doing here? Now he sees us. There is a sense of sorrow and regret at the condition that the Lord found them in. And I will just say that it is the common experience of a true child of God to regret faithlessness and backsliding. But I will also say this, that that regret, that godly sorrow that works to repentance, that Paul speaks to the Corinthians of, never takes place. It does not work in the heart of a believer Until there is a meeting with the Lord. If the Lord leaves us to our. Holy Spirit doesn't come and take up the word and use it as a sword in our hearts. Drawing us. Bringing light to us. We would probably dwell in our state of frustration and disappointment. And I think that there are a lot of people. A lot of Christians that dwell in the state of disappointment and frustration and exasperation for this very fact. There's not the meeting with the Lord. Until the time that they meet with the Lord, there's often the blaming of everything and everybody else. You can just imagine these men sitting there by their nets, completely embarrassed at what had taken place, thinking about their failure, thinking about their lack and maybe muttering, you know, if Peter had only done this, what we told him to do, we wouldn't be here. This wouldn't have happened. I told him, if only we had gone and done this, it's all Peter's fault. Or Peter looking at John and saying, it's all John's fault. Because I wanted to go out earlier, and he, he had to do something that he wasn't getting. Should have been out there hours before, or whatever it is. It's already somebody else's fault. But when the Lord comes, when the Lord comes, A sight of Christ puts all the issues of heart and soul where they need to be. There is only humility where Christ is. That is a place of honesty. When a man truly meets with Christ, all these other things are quickly shown to be false and foolishness. But then I will also point this out. It's a night of regression. It was a night of regret. But it was also a night of repentance. When all is said and done that morning. When all the fishes have been gathered. When all the fish have been emptied in the side of the, of the shore with their catch in hand. You see that Peter comes to the Lord in verse 8. And he says depart from me. For I am a sinful man O Lord in more familiar words, perhaps more colloquial speech, it's as if Peter is saying to the Lord, Lord, give up on me. Just give up on me. I am no good and I am full of sin. I tried to come, but Lord, I, I am not a faithful man. Lord, I am a sinful man. I am a faithless man. I am a not a loyal man. Lord, there's too much in me that is wrong. Lord, just give up on me. Depart from me. You go, you go find other disciples uh, that will be more faithful to you, to you than I am because I am not that kind of man that really could stand and, and, and go and do the things that you're expecting. I'm not that kind of man. Of course he wasn't that kind of man. The truth of the matter is nobody is that kind of man. There is not one out there? No, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. All we like very best of means of backsliding and faithlessness and doubt. The Lord chose Peter. The Lord was going to use Peter in a very specific way, though Peter throughout his life showed that there was lack of understanding. There was lack of even heart dedication. Though he loved the Lord, you'd see that there were times that he thought this was more important or that more important, and the Lord had to rebuke him. So he asked the Lord, just leave me for I will be worth nothing. That's where this place comes in. And I think what Peter says was probably true for the others as well. We had followed you. We returned. Here we are. We're nothing. It was. It was a disappointing night. Disappointing. Not only just that they didn't catch fish. That was actually the least of the issues. But it was disappointing because here they were. In a state of going backwards from what the Lord had told them. A disappointing night. But I want us to see now the hopeful morning. The hopeful morning. The morning was utterly different than the night because the Lord was there. What a difference. See, the difference was between night and day. Yes. When Jesus comes, there's the difference. Now, the circumstances for the disciples would not have changed if the Lord had not come. You think about it just for a second. If the Lord Jesus had not come that morning, they would have continued washing and drying their nets. Then they would have walked home in failure. The pressures of life would all be as great and would be as distressing as before. All the reasons that they went fishing in the first place would be even compounded because now there was an effort to solve it and it was a failure. We might ask ourselves, what conversation would there be among them after such a night of failure? There was not even one fish caught. How would things look for the future? Now I will tell you that men are, when men are in such a situation, when men find we didn't even catch one fish, perhaps you would think that the conversation might go something like this. Well, maybe, fellows, what we need to do is try a new tactic. We need to try something new and novel. I mean, the fish are probably on to us now. They realize that when they see this net coming through the water, it's time for us to go to the other side of the lake. So we need to try some new tactic. Or perhaps they would think within themselves that we need to go to some greater depths. And then things would change. We'd have fish again. And we'd be successful. If only we change the place where we work and so forth, things will be different. Does that sound familiar? What changed the whole of that new day? Was not anything that the disciples did. What changed the day was the presence of the Lord on that shore. But what might be noted right from the first. Was that though he was there. And though the Lord Jesus meant to correct the matter. He does not rebuke the four. That's a very important thing. He does not come and point the finger. And call to call them on the carpet, so to speak. He does not rebuke them. Rather, he does a few other things that make his point just as real and just as strongly as if he had to say words. What were those things? Well, first, you see the Lord teaches. The Lord teaches. Now, we have mentioned before that this was the Lord's habit that whenever he was to rectify a situation, often he would teach first and then make the matter uh, a matter of being solved. For example, when the 5,000 were there and needing food, what's he do? He sits down and he teaches. Then he does the providing for the food. And that was common in so many ways and so many times. But the thing I want you to notice about this moment is that as the Lord decides to teach, he enters the boat. Now, wait a minute. It wasn't his boat. Ah, it doesn't make any difference. That by providence had been provided to Simon and Andrew and James and John. He enters the boat. He doesn't ask if the boat can be used. He enters and takes command. And he sits down and he says, I will now use this boat For the right purpose. I will use this boat. For fishing. I'm going to tell you. For. The kind of thing that you need to be doing. So he steps into the boat. He takes command. He sits down. And he teaches. A couple things here that we need to note. First we need to note that the Lord brings to the disciples ears. That message that they heard before. Before that so stirred their hearts and brought them to faith. These men, to have their minds and hearts reset, so to speak, to the things that they were supposed to be doing, needed to revisit the very truth, the very gospel, the very message that they had heard about the Lord Jesus that brought them to faith in the first place. Now let me just say this as an observation from that. The first step forward... For a straying heart is to hear again and apply the truth of the saving work of the Lord Jesus. Or can I say it this way? If you want to come back to God, you must come by the way. The Lord Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Your way back into the fellowship of God is by your coming back through the gospel that brought you faith by the power of God to begin with. Furthermore the Lord demonstrates to the disciples the kind of fishing that he meant for them to be engaged in. So may I put it to you this way after a few moments or a few passing of an hour maybe whatever As the disciples had enclosed a great multitude of fishes, the Lord was showing them by sitting down in this boat that he was sitting there before a multitude of fishes as well. Here were these people, so many of them, that they pressed on him that he had to get into the boat so that they could all see and hear him. There's the multitude of fishes, you gentlemen, that are with me. This is what we are about Here was a loud but silent reminder to what they were called. Again, we must be reminded that this life is not the end, the goal for us who know Christ. It is a field of labor. And may we each give heed to the lesson that the Lord teaches by entering into the boat and speaking to the multitude. Then you will see also, second, that the Lord tests. After the Lord ends his speaking to the multitude, he tells Peter to launch out into the deep. Here is a major test. It meant completely undoing the cleanup work that they had been doing for who knows how long, and to go right back to the very place that they had been. It's taken us two hours, three hours to clean these nets. And we've already been right out there. Let's go. At the the Lord's instruction, Peter does reveal his heart by stating that there had been no success there or that the imagined need had not been fulfilled. Lord, we've already been out there. We've tried the need What we are trying to do was not fulfilled. Does that sound like us sometimes? Lord, I've already tried. I've tried to serve you. I've tried to live for you. Or I've tried to do these things in your, whatever it is. And I haven't seen it fulfilled. But then he shows his faith. He obeys. He obeys, though he does not understand Oh, may we do that. May we trust and obey. He goes forward, though he does not perceive to what end. What, what are we, okay, we're going back out there. What's the product of all this? The scripture says there in verse 9 that Peter was astonished at what took place. The Lord does a work. They enclose the fish. You know what happens. And it says Peter is astonished. Peter is amazed. But I will say this. I don't think Peter was so much amazed with a fish as he was amazed with the Lord. Oh, may we understand that. That is the essence of successful service for Christ. That we're not so much, how do I say this kindly, but truthfully, we don't crow about the results that the Lord brings as much as we exalt that the Lord did his work. We're not so much taken up with all the byproduct, all the things, oh, look at all of our fishes. No, the astonishment is with the power of the Lord. The power of the Lord. And the Lord blesses to the point where the boat begins to sink with the fish. Now, I'm going to make a side note here. It must be noted that Peter and James and John and Andrew were now fishing with clean nets. I'm just going to let that sit in your mind for a second. They were fishing with clean nets. You can't fish as the Lord would have you to fish with dirty nets. That's a by, a, 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 no, by the way, but that is a very a poignant thought. The Lord teaches, the Lord tests. And third, I want you to see this. The Lord toils. I'm going to ask a question here, and I think you will be able to answer this easily. Are we to suppose that the Lord Jesus, though in the boat, as it begins to be filled with fishes, so to speak, that the Lord Jesus simply found a place to sit and then watched his disciples struggle with the nets? Do you think that? Perhaps took place. Here's my, point. I'm going to base it on two things. I'm going to suggest a couple of thoughts. First, the nets were so full and the ship was so lo- loaded down that it was about to sink, would mean that every hand was needed to bring the nets to the ship and empty them. My question is, could the Lord just sit and watch the disciples struggle with the blessings that he had brought? Uh, Here's my thought. Imagine the Lord Jesus in the boat with Peter and Andrew with a helping hand and a smiling face. Now see... See what we're doing. The second thing, and the reason why I say, I think I can prove this, is in the work that the Lord orders, he is always involved. Such is the testimony in Mark's gospel, at the end of the gospel of Mark, Mark 16, verse 20. And they went forth, oh, what are they doing? They went forth, this is talking about the disciples, they're going forth now and fishing for men. And they went forth and preached every the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following, Amen. My point is this, I think it was, I, to me, I am, my speculation in my mind is dead sure. I'm more on there, but I feel confident that the Lord's hand was on the nets pulling just right along with them. That they were catching the meaning of what he was saying, I think was obvious. And I think there was indeed in the countenance of the Lord that which was a sign or a showing of pleasure that these men were learning and seeing what he meant to do with them. John chapter 5 verse 17 also says, But Jesus answered, My father worketh here, here, too, and I work. So I say the Lord steps in and offers his hand in the work that he orders. And I say this, from this point I want to stress to you that this is also what you and I can depend on. Fishing where the Lord says, at the time the Lord says, With clean nets, the Lord will work with us. And then you see, my last thought is this the Lord turns. The Lord turns. Peter, then, at the conclusion, as we noted a moment ago, of the hauling of the fish into the boats, turns to the Lord and offers his remorse. But the Lord turns that into rejoicing because immediately as Peter says that, the Lord says, Peter, fear not. Fear not. In today's language, it would be the equivalent of not to worry. Fear not. From henceforth, thou shalt catch men. Here's the point of the whole of the night and the morning. The Lord will turn the failure of his people who rest in their flesh, the arm of the flesh, he'll turn that into success as he works with them. Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And I stress again, the gentleness of the Lord is seen here. Perhaps it was even said with a smile. Well, How can you say that? Well, simply this. Because the scripture tells us it is the pleasure of the Lord. To have mercy and to restore. Who is a pardoning God like thee? Who takes pleasure in mercy? So. My point to you is this. If you and I would look at ourselves and have to say much of what these men were struggling with going through because they went back. I'm in the same place. Well, then here's the word. Number one, hear again the old story for your heart. Revisit the place where faith was found in your heart. Go back over the things that Christ has done for you in your heart. Second, obey the Lord, though you might not have even understand it. Third, know that the Lord is with you. And fourth, enjoy the fellowship of a smiling Savior. This turns a disappointing night into into a hopeful morning. It did for these men. It can do so for us. Well, may the Lord bless his word and help us to be hearers and heeders of that which he says. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, now we would pray that you will bless your word to our hearts and we pray that you will indeed do with it in our hearts what you sent it forth to do to cause us to be those who are not dismayed or discouraged or downcast because we find that the arm of our flesh fails us. Lord, we, we thank you that you let that happen because it then shows us not only our need, but it also shows us the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus. Lord, now we commit ourselves to Thee. We pray that You will continue to speak to our hearts through the Word of God as we remain before Thee in this Thy day. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.